0: Welcome to another episode of the Chronicle, the official film podcast of the People's Movies. My name is Paul and I will be your host for this episode. That's episode 20. I'm also the editor of the People's Movies. Thank you for joining me. We have three films this week. The first film will be The Exorcist Believer. Then we have Blackberry and then we also have The Creator. And the first review for this week is David Gordon Green's Exorcist Believer. Dear Hollywood, may the power of Christ compel you to never let David Gordon Green ever go near another treasured horror franchise. 50 years after William Freakin unleashed The Exorcist on Cinefiles, filmmaker David Gordon Green brings his the classic horror back to the big screen with The Exorcist Believer. He's calling this new film a spiritual sequel to the original classic 1973 film, ignoring the worthless sequels and prequels. The filmmaker is obviously no stranger to reinventing horror franchises where he recently brought back the Halloween franchise back to life. Once again, making a film that was set after the John Carpenter 1978 classic, the original classic. The first film of the Halloween uh, films was okay. However, it, it obviously became quite like a downward spiral of mess. So now it's uh, The Exorcist. turn. Is it in safe hands? The answer is no. The 2023 version uh, stars Leslie Odom Jr. as Victor F- Fielding. And he's a photographer. He's a widower who has been living with his daughter, Angela, played by Lydia Dewitt. For thirteen years, and the format was thirteen years previously in Haiti, Haiti. A- Hi- A- Hi- A- T- but do apologise, sir. Previously, where the tra- where we see the tragic events of the death of Victor's wife, of course those events uh, leave Victor shaken and also vo- devoid of faith. So after back to the present time again after school, Angela and her friend Catherine, played by Olivia Markham head into the woods next to their actual school and they actually disappear. Three days later, the pair are found with no clue what actually happened to them. And slowly, the the pair start to show signs that not all is well. Both are showing signs of strange behaviour, including Catherine, who is having a breakdown in our God-loving parents' uh, church. That's Tony, played by Norbert Leo Butts, and Miranda, played by Jennifer Nettles and this leads to Catherine's mum suspecting her daughter actually may be possessed by a demon and Victor he seeks more help and searches for the one woman who will understand his struggle that's Chris McNeil played by Ellen Burstein and William Freakin sadly obviously died uh, back in August here and he was not happy when he heard his masterpiece of a film was getting ripped to shreds with a new version. And Gordon Green recently said he wished he was, he was able to show his version to Freakin. An outcome, if you have been reading up on uh, websites and newspapers, wouldn't have been positive, because Freakin actually disapproved of this film. And he promised uh, to Gordon he would come back and actually haunt and possess Gordon Green and make his life a, a living hell. We can assume that this project was actually set up before the director's uh, Halloween films, where at least, or even at least one of the first films, the first film was made. If not, the warning signs were there that the director's last excuses for a film. It's plainly obvious those little green backs, rather than an inch of inequality, is at play here. And every studio wants the box office returns. But obviously to, in order to get those, uh, uh, that money, we actually need some quality here. And when it comes to The Exorcist, this new Exorcist uh, film, there's actually going to be two other films. So we need some sort of return, reason to return to the cinemas to see those other two films. And The Exorcist Believer has none. This wants to be part of the, the original Exorcist universe. And it's, plen- and it's plenty of uh, side notes, lot of homages, little Easter eggs as sometimes as they're called. So to me, it's ever every right to be judged against the original film. And Ellen Burstein, even the as Chris McNeil, as I said previously, with a fleeting cameo, she doesn't actually appear in the film to forty minutes into it. And the question is, was there any need to actually have Burstein in this film other than to give the film a bit of nostalgia and even a little bit of verification. If anything, this was actually a wasted opportunity. And William Peter Blatty, he wrote the book that the film is actually based on, and the script as well. And he was a devout Catholic. And the exorcist played like a test of his faith. And it's recognising what, what evil surround us and what could challenge us. And also the original film had memorable, memorable characters like Farrah Karras, which was played by Jason Miller. And also we have Max von Sydow as well. And Farrah Karras was he was actually, if anything, the main character, not Linda Blair's Regan. And the new version has none, not even spinning heads or even that projectile piece uh, that the original film came famous for. The Exorcist believer is the lowest point of this fragile, uh, of this fra- franchise. It's sluggish in pace, and the dialogue is, if anything, comedic. And the film is lazy. It's soulless. It's a soulless mess, which will be very unforgivable by horror any of the horror fans. And I will give The Exorcist believer one star. In Alien Covenant, Michael Fassbender's character, David said, big things have small beginnings, and Alien fans, they know what he was talking about. It could be referred to the birth of the BlackBerry mobile device, and nearly 30 years ago, that small beginning kicked off a revolution in your hand. So Matt Johnson's chaotic comedy biopic, BlackBerry, tells us the story about the meteoric rise and the collapse of one of the original smartphones. If you ever wondered who may be responsible for a generation that walks around with their heads down, staring at expensive mobile devices, communicating primarily through social media or text messaging, rather than their natural voice, Mike Lazz- Lazaridis and Doug Fregan are probably the guys you are looking for. They are the brains behind the research in motion, or in bra- um, abbreviated terms, RIM, and who made it all happen this is this isn't a story that comes from the valleys of california aka silicon valley but rather from canada specifically wellington ontario which is america's neighbor before apple dominated the market with the iphones and and obviously the android equivalents of the phone the phone choice was blackberry and this was an idea that was created by a group of near the engineers led by lazarus who's played by jay Barrichell along with Fregan, who's played by the director himself, Matt Johnson. And they had the audacity and ambition to actually create a mobile or a cellular device with email, text and internet, as they called it. And the journey for them started away back in 1996, when Razz- Lazaridis and Fregan had the meeting to pitch an idea. They pitched the idea to a man called Jim Baseli, who's played by the brilliant Glenn Hamilton. Who would, of course, become the driving force of the company? And Basile first rejected the idea, only to turn the following day to see what the guys to see the guys were actually sitting in a gold mine. And he was very ruthless, and he was very cunning as well. And he first fixed the holes and the fancies, and then got to pitch what he would give buff to the iconic phone. In reality, Jim he was a shark. He manipul- first manipulated Lazaritis and Fregan to become their co-CEO. And at first, his help propelled the company, which would see BlackBerry gain 40, at a time, 43% of the phone market. And as he absolutely grew larger, he would gallivant around the company's jet, spending the money if it was his own, and if it was also good out of fashion. And when trouble reared its ugly head, he would throw money at any individuals who would dig the company out of any holes, with no thought of any consequences. Jim is nowhere to be seen when the company slowly did slide into the downward spiral and he seemed to be more interested in ice hockey. It wasn't all the f- all his fault. Apple had their say when in 2007 they launched the iconic iPhone and this took the mobile phone revolution to the next level with a phone that had no QWERTY-style keyboard. And the keyboard appeared to actually be on the screen and Lazaridis was adamant that people still wanted st- wanted that click. And Matt Johnson, I remember, I actually watched this film at the Glasgow Film Festival earlier in the year, and at a QA after that uh, Glasgow Film Festival review, preview, he said that this film is not going for not something you would expect on the history of the phone. If anything, BlackBerry was more about Canada having that slice of the international market. Something that the Canadians could be proud of, despite the negativity that it came with the phone. And society did seem to focus on the negativity rather than credit these those engineers who created this phone. In the nineteen nineties and obviously the early nineties, they were groundbreaking times for technology, and not every product was actually born in Silicon Valley. Blackburn, but sorry, Blackberry is not your straight-up a uh, comedy biopic. There's a lot of handheld uh, camera work going on here, and that actually gives that film that's sort a of more documentary style feel, which actually works with the film because Ladiratus, Frigan and Jim, they also still remain the main focus in the narrative and it's keeping close to the source material as much as possible. And Barrichell, his character is very quietly reserved, but he's still a genius, much in the way Jesse Eisenberg was in the social network. And Johnson, he is the total opposite, very childlike, more confident, Vanny's best friend. Both were actually play off each other really, really well. They were polar opposites, making a, a perfect double act. And Howerton, he could easily uh, be the star attraction who talks the talk and walks the walk and usually when it's in his favour. Apart from uh, some pacing issues, Blackberry is a slick film that's chaotic in every way, especially a funny way. And I would give Blackberry four stars. And the final review for this week is the curator. Man vs. The Machine. Uh, this is a story that has been with cinematic history since the early days of film. As the decades went on, technology obviously evolved. So did one thing that we once seen there to help us, that is the machine. And we've been warned about, about it in the lights of the Terminator films, Blade Runner, The Matrix, even how 9000 and 2001 Space Odyssey even warned us in the cult horrors like Chell's Play, Alex Garland's Ex Manica, and Megan, Warner's artificial intelligence has gone beyond the master and servant. And humanity's mindset is one of intrigue, but also one of fear. And Gareth Edwards takes humanity's battle, creator, takes humanity's battle with AI beyond the chat uh, PGT, now that AI is able to pick up arms and play into anxieties. After the troubled last film, his last last, troubled last film, Rogue One, with the alleged studio interference seven years ago, British filmmaker Edwards finally does get a chance to make an epic world free of interference. And his vision actually reflects of war and that we haven't even learned about Skynet, given the controls of the AI yet. And in this one, we find ourselves several decades into the future, Around about twenty seventy, we've made one fatal mistake, and that's given certain powers to the machines. And what that happens is, they set off a nuclear bomb which destroys uh, Los Angeles. And the US have been previously at war with the simulants, or as they are, artificial intelligence, for now fifteen years. And Joshua, who's played by John David Washington, he's an ex special force forces agent who is living the life in new asia and he's living a tranquil life with his wife maya who's played by Gemma chan until they come under attack from the us so five years on from that from now he's haunted by losing his wife but we also learned that joshua was there to uncover and find nimrata that is the one person who's considered the creator of all simulants and he once again is pushed in back into that fold by the special forces. And the M'rata has created this ultimate weapon to fight back against the American Nomad weapon. And the way to describe the Nomad weapon, it's a little bit like the, the Death Star in Star Wars. And if we can't destroy that weapon, it will lead to the end of the uh, humanity. And no one has a clue what this uh, weapon that uh, Nimrata has designed. Surely it can be the lot AI young girl whom Joshua calls Alfie, who's played by Madeleine yuna voles So, let's get one thing straight here. The Creator is not a perfect film. It does have its many its flaws. With the actual plot being one of those areas, it's not terrible, I'll say that. It's just a little bit formalic, and it's tapping into some well-worn genre tropes. The likes of Neil Blomkamp's uh, District 9, of Alfonso Caron's uh, Children of Men. We can see big influences here on the creator, and even Blade Runner and Akira and Apocalypse Now do have a bit of a presence in the story. So don't expect Edwards to reinvent anything new in science fiction here. What he's actually done here is he's humanised the man versus machine dynamic, and it reminds us, that humanity sometimes is the creator of our own do- downfall. And we designed and created these robots. And as time goes by, technology technology becomes smarter. And what we also have here is a war with the Vietnam uh, War itself, a big inspiration on on this film. And this will strike on own nervous some, and it taps into the fumes of the military-industry complex. And even the American American imperialism here. And Gareth Edwards, he is one of the best world world builders in cinema. His visual aesthetic, the film is fantastic. And if the gossip is actually true, he actually made this film on a budget of eighty million dollars in Hollywood terms. That is a very small budget compared to these films from companies like Disney and Warner Bros, who allocate around about two to three hundred million dollars to their directors. The career was filmed actually on location in Thailand instead of relying on the green screen, which are used in many of these superhero films. And it employs a a raw shooting, a very guerrilla filmmaking style. And the CGI seamlessly integrates with the surroundings and it gives everything a really organic and realistic feel rather than something that it's fake skin or feels like a pixel. And the seamless integration impresses you in every level here. And the creator is maybe a missed opportunity to delve deeper into the human relationship with AI. Nevertheless, it's a rarity to actually see Hollywood to find some film that has some originality and it's not some part of a franchise. Sadly, many people will, uh, will actually have been influenced by the extent what we consider certain types of films. Like, if the film doesn't have feature any one with superpowers, we seem to consider it unworthy of our time. And that's very disheartening here. And the start of the show is Madeline Univoles, who's kind of incredible as uh, Alfie. For someone who's so young and starting out, she's delivered something with some so much emotional depth, and it's especially through her expressive eyes, and that will tug on your actual uh, heartstrings here. It's a shame that the creator will probably disappear from cinemas without a blink of the eye. It's very captivating, very refreshing as well, a piece of filmmaking. There's a slice of originality. And these are the type of films you should actually supporting, especially when these never-ending franchise films begin to actually fade away. And I would actually give the creator four stars. There you have it folks that's an episode of the chronicle now over that's episode 20 i do thank you for joining me today for that episode for this episode and i'd like to thank universal 20th century studios and also entertainment uh, for uh, let me review the films say uh, the exorcist believer blackberry and the creator now out in uk and id cinemas I also like to say is apologies for the delay of this episode. There's a lot of things just happening in the background at the moment, folks, with my work and other things. As I said previously in previous episodes, we are looking at getting another co-host in. We are getting very, very close to bringing this co-host on board. So what we might do is do a few little episodes. It may not be every week, but just obviously stay tuned and find out... uh, when we will be doing episodes. To find out when we're doing episodes, follow us on Twitter and Facebook at, at The People's Movie. You can also find us on Instagram at The People's Movies. Also, we do have a email newsletter. So every time we have a post out on The People's Movies, and that's including the new episodes of The Chronicle, go over to the peoplesmovies.com and sign up for the email newsletter there. Also, I'd like to ask you to share this podcast episode and previous episodes and any other future episodes on social media and also with your friends and family. Occasionally, the chat will uh, head over to the original home of the podcast. That's chroniclesinfilm.com with the Chronicle Extra. And also, you can show your support for the Chronicle and the People's Movies by heading over to the website and click on the Buy Me A Coffee and also at a uh, PayPal. So once again folks, I like to thank you for joining me uh, here today for a new episode. And until the next time, enjoy the movies.